Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from iHeart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Put your bags down and pull up a seat. You are listening to Stay A While, the podcast with Tommy Vincent. We could talk loud, we could try, keep it real, and it's all good, yeah. Come on, stay a while. Wherever you are, pull up a seat to the table where we not only serve food for the soul, but provide you with the key ingredients to embracing your true, authentic self. Raise your hand if you're guilty of any of the following. Putting everyone else first. Trying to please others. Neglecting your calling. Neglecting your own mental, emotional, and physical health. Or forgetting to fight for you. Too often, holding on to joy is just outside of our reach because little by little, we've forgotten that joy comes from within. And it starts with showing up as our full selves. Listen, I won't pretend it's easy. It can be the hardest thing to sit down, count up the costs, and make the decisions that keep joy present even in the midst of hardship. Maintaining perspective and turning your world right side up depends on a few key mindsets and heart postures. And I'm so glad that Rise CEO Diane Billings Burford is taking her seat at the table today to explore them with us. So I am absolutely delighted today and honored to have seated at the Stay A While table uh, the Miss Amazing Diane Billings Burford. I thank you so much for joining us today, Diane. Um, Diane is the CEO of RISE. RISE stands for Ross Initiative in Sports for Equality. Um, 
All of that is wonderful. All of that is great. And kudos to you for achieving the success that you've achieved to date. But I want to know who is Diane in Diane's own words. Yeah. Um, yeah, I usually start, I get asked that question. And, um, you know, I think who is Diane? Some things have remained the same over these 40, almost 50 years, and some things have definitely changed. But one of the things that has remained the same is I am a girl from Brooklyn. I say that everywhere. And I think that means a lot of things. Um, it doesn't just mean where I live now and where I was raised, uh, but I think it's a mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I also when I say it, I have learned, I also mean it is, um, I'm a girl from Brooklyn of old, not Brooklyn today. Which wait, is- so wait, wait, wait. What is the mindset? Because that's loaded. What is the mindset yeah. of a Brook, a girl from Brooklyn of old? Well, you know what? Listen, so I, I go to Biggie a lot even though he's he's problematic on some levels. But I think it means we spread love. I think we're caregivers, but I also think it means we get things done. Mm. Um, a lot of times now people find fancy words for things. And so everyone wants to talk about resilience now. Oh, what you need to be successful is resilience, this and that. I think a girl from Brooklyn means we're resilient. You know, um, I, I think we know how to, for lack of a better term, we know how to take a kick in the teeth, get up, you know what I mean? And just make it happen. Uh, but I also think it means we know how to have fun. We know how to have joy and we, we know how to share love and spread love. So it means a lot of things for me. Mm-hmm. Is a girl from Brooklyn, when you kick her in the teeth, is she getting up and getting things done or is she going to kick you in the teeth first and then do what she need to do? <laughs> well, you know what? When I talk about how things evolve, so let me also say another thing that I, I definitely identify with is I'm a child of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a child of God. And so a girl from Brooklyn on her own, we always getting up. I might kick you in your knee before I get up and then kick you in your teeth on the way down. <laughs> because I am a child of Christ, I am, which is always evolving. I might not kick you in your knee. I might not kick you in your pockets. I might stand up and be like, we doing this? And then, you know, try to work, work through it. Yeah, so I'm not a girl from Brooklyn. But let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. I've learned how to kick you in the teeth and the knee in another way. You know, that's that's mm-hmm. the, the part of, you know, the evolution of who we become, even in the body of Christ. We still have to be willing to put the gloves on, pull the sleeves back, and fight fair. I'm not going to fight you dirty. Right. But I'm not just going to let you do any old thing to me um, because I need to be able to keep moving forward. And what, if what you've done was mm-hmm. a deliberate act to kick me and keep me down, I got to scrap so I could get up and handle my business. Listen, Ephesians 6, I believe it is, <laughs> exists for a reason, right? You need that helmet of salvation, that breastplate of righteousness. It tells you what to put on and what to wear when you are at war. And at times you are at war and at times you have to fight. And that's wholly appropriate. (laughs) That's what you got to do sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, and absolutely. And I don't think that I would have this type of um, personality and disposition and posture in life if it was not 100% who I am. Right. There are people who are literally built to go to battle, to be on the front line. And yep. I raise my hand first 
send me, I'll go. I think when we get older, sometimes, Tommy, we recognize that. And sometimes you don't, I, at least I can speak for me. I didn't always recognize it. I, I, I try to be as honest as possible. I come from a family of fighters, girl. Mm-hmm. And so I really wasn't considered a fighter. I'm going to run my mouth. I'm going to say some things to you that, ooh, you may feel like you got cut. But I come from a family where you could be cut, like literally cut. So I didn't necessarily see myself as a fighter. But as I got older, you know, I agree with you. You begin to understand, oh, there's certain things I was built for that other people weren't built for. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it took me a while sometimes to be comfortable sitting in that what I was built for. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, I think I think that means I'm growing. So, um, you know, when you talk about the aspects of who you are and and I just this is definitely on the topic of maintaining joy in the time of crisis. Because when you come through life and you experience some things and your true nature comes out, as we continue to matriculate through life, there's an attempt to shelf that aspect of you because, you know, you may be told that's too much. You know, that's you're not going to be able to continue to advance in your career. You're not going to be able to maintain a, a marriage if you, you know, bring all of that to the table. So we, you know, we, we really work to kind of shelve some things in life, right? Yep. Um, I truly believe that everything that we experience is part of the training ground that gets, that gets us to where we are in this very moment, but then having the courage to fight for yourself. Now we, we talked about fighting for things and and stuff and, you know, whatever the purpose work that we do. But there comes a point in time in your life where you recognize, no, I need to throw up the Dukes for me. For me. (laughs) For me, literally, like all this other stuff, I'm going to keep fighting for it. But I recognize that if I don't fight for me, who will? Yeah. And I'm worth fighting for. Yeah. I, um, was just saying to a a younger woman, I I share with her this quote that always moved me by Audre Lorde. If I didn't define myself for myself, I would be crunched into other people's fantasies for me and eaten alive. Uh, There's a quote by Audre Lorde and I I use it and I share it as often as possible. But definitely there was a moment in my life and, and for sure, you know, I've had various moments where I've had to get comfortable, you know, to what I said before with this is who, this is how God built me. Mm-hmm. And there are some things that some folks are not going to like, but I was not actually built to please everyone. That was not his purpose for me. Um, and so, but, but I will say, you know, it, it is also a challenge to figure out where's the line, right? What are the parts of me that this is how I was built? And so I need to step into that. Mm-hmm. And what are the things that I need to work on you know, because I need to work on, I need to get better at them. That's, that's a hard, it's hard to find that line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, um, and, I, and I totally agree with you about the lessons. Usually when a lot of the difficult times in my life, I, you didn't call them lessons or you, I think you called them crises for me, you know, now, and I, and I'd say this to my kids, what was, what was the lesson or what were the lessons? Nothing happens that we weren't meant to learn from. The question is, did you get the lesson? 
Yeah. You know, and so I, I agree with you. I generally think most of these things, whether they're positive or negative, that have happened and, and I've been had to um, experience or endure, you know, the real question is, did I get the lesson? Sometimes I get it. Sometimes, girl, I miss it. I see it the next time around. I'm like, oh, I missed it the first time. Got it now, Lord. Please don't do that again. <laughs> Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But you know that that word crisis, um, one of the things just for me personally, the ability to maintain my joy is recognizing that everything is not a crisis. And we go there. (laughs) You know, we'll take something and we will allow that thing to just grow in our mind and become, you know, something so major. And it's really Mm -hmm. like a minor, you know, if it was like a, a bucket of full water, it's like a drop in the bucket. And we might even have five drops in the bucket in the daytime of things that are just like in that moment, they rock your world. Yeah. But when you take a step back, you're like, you know what? It's not, it's not that, that deep. deep. It is not that deep. Not. Yeah. It's not, but it's hard. I, um, again, with the raising the kids and my kids are, you know, they're grown now, which is kind of wonderful, right? Because I feel like I'm, you know, now I'm raising adults, you know, but I, we work, I work with them to separate feelings from facts mm-hmm. and facts from like the story we create from the facts. Mm. You know what I mean? And we all do it. So there are some things that are factual, but what some of this is just like the story you created from the facts, you know? So I, um, and I, to your point, I think we just can, we can create stories that make, 
just just make us feel overwhelmed, make us feel make mountains out of molehills. And and sometimes things are really mountains. So let me say the other thing that I think we do. I think I, my experience has been especially women of color. Mm-hmm. We will act like a mountain is a molehill, and I'm like, no, sis, that's a mountain. Yeah. And you need to <laughs> act like it's a mountain because <laughs> um because it's a big deal. The way this person is treating you is a big deal. The way this the way you're interacting with these folks, they're being egregious. Like it is, it's really a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I think some of us have been trained to make mountains out of molehills, but some of us have been trained to treat um, mountains like they are molehills and, and we need to take them more seriously. Mm-hmm. That is, that is an excellent um, analogy. That's an excellent analogy. And you're, it, you're right. It's training. That's how, how, you know, when you move through life and it happens, so the increments are so small, you so don't small. even recognize that you're being trained to abuse yourself. Yep. And that's where we have to get away from. And that's the p- part where we're saying, where I'm saying, you got to know you have to be willing to fight for you too. Yep. You got to, some, and sometimes that means that what exists can no longer exist in your life. Mm. If you're drawing the line in the sand and saying, you know what? I matter. Yeah. And this decision that I'm making right here is all about me. You know, because I was going to say, you got to say I matter. And I matter most. Yes. We're not really good at saying I matter more than anything else. And sometimes that's what we need to say. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, we'll put the whole world in the in the car with us like I'm saving the whole world whoever's in your world that's what I'm talking about you put them all in a car and you like doing everything you can but you're busy looking at everybody in the car and you're you're not able to see you that you're in the car driving and at any moment you have the power and the ability to put on the brakes to unload the car to get out the car yourself and focus in on you because you you matter yeah very, you know, for me, a very real example of that is uh, it was over a decade now. I just realized how much time it passed. And I was uh, working for Mayor Bloomberg and I was sitting on this press conference and answering questions and doing all this stuff. And I got this call. I look down, and I see this call and um, it's my doctor. And I just had a recent like doctor's appointment and blood test. And um, he was like, almost all your numbers are bad. <laughs> it's like your A1C is high. Your vitamin D is low. And you really don't know how you're walking around because your hemoglobin number is so low. Your iron yeah. is so low. It's crazy. Right. And um, cholesterol is like borderline, the, the bad one, not the good one. You know, <laughs> And um, I had this moment of like, my boss is happy. I mean, I'm killing. My kids are happy. My husband's happy. I was like, girl, but you are not taking care of you. Like you there, there must you have been no iteration where I mattered most. And so I really, over the past 10 years, especially have had to like see that in me because some of it is about them, but most of it was about me, like mm-hmm. not doing what you said. Like I was not saying in this particular instance, you matter most. And here's what that looks like. That looks like maybe Diane can't make that three events a night because 
in one of those events, she needs to stop and eat because she can't eat late, right? My body, my insulin is not doing what it takes for me to be doing three events, eating late. Like, you know, so, you know, for the kids, it might be mommy needs to get up. Y'all have to get yourselves up because I have got to work out. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I definitely weren't making those choices of like, okay, actually I got to stop this car. Everybody got to get out the car. I got to matter most for at least some of these choices. So, you know, but I, but I think that that's a, that's a reality for a lot of women and men, right? And we have to just be conscious of it. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. So I want, I want us to go to um, the portion in the conversation where food is love. You know, for me, I'm a chef and my healing journey, um, it all started when I was able to play the reel in my mind of my moments in the kitchen with my grandmother. So food is love for me. And that's how I love on other people. So I have some food questions I want to ask you um, that I think will we'll be able to see how food sits in your life. Right. So the mm-hmm. first question is this. Uh, what food best describes your personality and why? You know, I struggle with this one, Tommy, because I struggle to settle on just one. <laughs> but because I too, I love like food and what it means to my family and um, just my heritage and my foundation is it just matters so much. Um, but I don't know, like I was. I know this is gonna sound crazy, but I would either think collard greens. Cause I feel like I'm good for you, right? Like I'm delicious mm-hmm. and nutritious. If, yeah. you know, if folks do it right, if folks do collard greens right, um, you know, a little sassy, but I'm good for you. You know, I think it's collard greens. Yeah. I love, I, now that I love that answer. Um, yeah. name one recipe that is special to you and why? Uh, so I would say that go back to, in some ways, collard greens made me think this. We would, uh, we spent a lot of time both with my mother's family and with our church family. And they used to laugh. My mother's name was Emily. And they used to be like, well, you know, Emily going to make the bunny food. She's good at the bunny food. So <laughs> I think in some ways, and they meant like salad, collard greens. And um, in some ways, my collard green recipe is, is special to me because it makes me feel connected to my mom. You know, mm-hmm. I lost my mom many, many years ago, but she was just, so amazingly influential in my life. Um, and so I make them often, but they, it made me think of her. And I would say on the other end of the spectrum or my aunt Ola, who I was born on her birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I came, it was a big deal. She's really my great aunt. She was a, my grandma's sister and I was very close to all of them. Um, but aunt Ola could bake. Woo, she could bake. Aunt Ola and Aunt Carolee, <laughs> they could bake. So I learned how to make cobbler and cake from scratch. When COVID hit, I got in that kitchen. I started making cake from scratch. My kids were like, wait, what? Like they hadn't <laughs> seen it in like a decade or so, you know, because um, I had to stop doing that because that was not helping me either. When we talk about like, take care of yourself. I was like, you are literally cooking yourself into an early grade. But the, um, so those two recipes, I would say some of the, some of the desserts and the collard greens are really they're dear to me because they make me, you know, think of my mom, think of my great aunts, think of my heritage. And it, it just brings me comfort. Mm-hmm. So so why was that a go to for you to make those 
um, home baked goods for your family during the pandemic? Like what what prompted that in you? Yeah, I think it was the immediate. I go in crisis mode, I go to it's going to be okay. Whatever is required, that's what we're going to do. And we're going to be all right. You know, and I, I think in that moment, I was like, we need to shop. We need to get water. We need to get food. I need to make sure the house has what it needs. I need to make sure I have internet so I can keep working. Um, and and it's part of how I provide for my family, right? Like I needed to convey to them, it's going to be okay. You're perfectly fine. Like we we are sitting here all together, all alive, all eating. We're good. And so I, I think it was because of that. And the other thing is I, you know, I told folks early on, we are not merely working from home. This is, this is next level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we need to treat it as such. And I, and I think because of that, I just felt like I wanted, I wanted everyone to feel good and to feel safe and to feel like we're going to be okay. So I, mm-hmm. I, I think I went to it for that and it probably made me feel okay. You know, mm-hmm. I needed to take down my grandma. I haven't sifted flour in so long. I needed to take that down. <laughs> I needed to have to be a mess. And, you know, I need to be beating eggs. I just needed it. I, needed it. I was mad because I didn't have the old school blender with the two things going. And, oh, you know, yeah. yeah. I figured it out. But I was like, this ain't right, girl. So, yeah. you know, I think I, I think it made me feel that. I needed to feel that. And I needed to convey that we're going to be okay to to my family. Mm-hmm. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So it's interesting because for me, um, 
food is healing for me. When I always know that when the food stops flowing from me, that there's an issue. And I definitely went into the mode where you're talking about like making sure everything was good, but I tend to go to the extreme (laughs) and I burn out because, Mm -hmm. because I'm literally not thinking about me whatsoever. Not at all. Um, And I'm just, it's like, you know, what Troy need, what the kids need, and this is crazy for them. Forget about it's crazy for me. Yep. This is crazy for them. And I need to make this normal for them. I need to create an environment where they're going to be okay. So I yeah. went straight to there. And Troy also has his ways about him. And he's also like, you know, what can I do to take care of everybody? And so he started doing cooking. And he didn't recognize be- I was in the area of struggle. And by losing the space in the kitchen, it it caused me to lose a part of me. Right. And it's so, therapeutic for us. He took away your catharsis. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Where it might have been for him, but doggone it, I, I, everybody was all right because I was making sure that, but I lost my space. Yep. And I, I was not cooking during the pandemic, you know, every now and then, but it wasn't anything that felt like healing to me. And um, it was very clear, you know, God showed me how, when um, you your gift goes away, that's an indication that your light is going out mm. for me. And so I had to recognize, Tommy, you're struggling. And yeah. you have to find a way to turn that light back on before it goes too far. Yeah, yeah. I, for me, I think it's in some ways it's speaking and communicating. Even though I, I do cook and it's therapeutic, Although there's plenty of times I don't cook. Let me tell you, girl, <laughs> Uber Eats needs to hook me up. They do. They I use it so much. I mean, they send me promotions every other day. But the um, but for me, it's speaking. It's interesting. I wrote this piece after the killing of George Floyd. Um, and because to your point, what really made me realize that I wasn't OK is that I was silent. I just couldn't. I can almost always speak. I can mm-hmm. always, almost always speak, whether it's to motivate folks, whether it's to educate folks. And I literally just could not speak. And to your point, Tommy, some of it is I realized a few days in, I was like, oh, like you are traumatized. You are depressed. Like, and, and that's the the not, I don't know, sometimes definitely the when I'm not able to use my gift, it it triggers it. But sometimes not using my gift is my signal that something is sincerely wrong mm-hmm. internally, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so it, it can work both ways for me. And it took me, I had to sit down and be like, what what is causing the silence? And what are you going to do about it? You mm-hmm. know, so, you know, I think, you know, my gift, your gift is cooking. I'm waiting, waiting for my invite. But the, um, I mean, I was very happy with the brunch y'all had this year, but I was like, it's not the same because Tommy didn't cook it for me. But <laughs> the, um, but the, uh, but it, it, you, you know, you're exactly right. Like, I don't know if I was fully depressed and I think everybody uses the word traumatized now. And I'd be like, this is not traumatized, but it seems insensitive. So I work not to be insensitive. The um, 
but it is usually a sign when I'm not using my gift or can't use my gift that something is is happening here and in my heart as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you're with Rise and your work. You know, you you brought up George Floyd and it for work you have to sit in that space. You know, of processing. How do you, aside from your role and responsibility at Rise? as a black woman mm-hmm. with children and with a husband, how do you make space for you to be able to detach and process just as a human being? Yeah. So that you are okay before yeah. you have to put on your cap for work. Yeah. So let me start out by saying, I don't always do it as much as I should. I'm getting better. Uh, used to be, I would get to the crisis point before I realized I hadn't done it. So I'm getting better because I don't usually run up to that line. One of the things that has helped me is just a discipline. You know, I, you know, to your larger question about how do we find joy in crisis, for me, it's my faith, it's my relationship with the word. I'm always trying to be super careful not to push that on people because I believe that a the most important part about this Christian walk is choice. Someone else can't make the choice for you. You have to make the choice for yourself, you know? So I, I don't seek to force it on folks, but I, one of the ways I make space for myself is during Lent this year, even I said, I'm not going to open up any social media or any work email in the morning before I do like a mini Bible study. Mm-hmm. I'm a start there, right? And so you version has these really nice, they're not long. Usually I can spend, you know, 15, 20 minutes and it just starts me creating the space from the very beginning of the day. I find for me that makes a difference. And then physically, because I also am a, a very physical person, I need to do it physically. And so there was a point during the middle of the COVID like shutdown. Where I was probably doing yoga every day, even if it was only 15 minutes of it. Um, I don't tend to need to do it every day, but I need to make that time to walk or to do yoga. Sometimes lifting does it, but I need that time to do something physical too. Um, it is usually when my brain clears and like I can feel the stress coming off. Uh, so for me, it's those two two things or two types of things. Um, and then also I will say, Again, I'm a I'm a talker. I'm a communicator. I have um, a circle of friends that I need to engage with them. Uh, maybe not all of them every day, but I need it. Like if there's if I go too long without speaking to a certain, you know, at least some of those people, mm-hmm. it shows on me. It's a drain. So you've had an opportunity to gain some experience in life. And one of the things that I think is really important is that people that have experience that they're able to pour into other young women that are coming through the ranks. And if there was anything that you could impart into a young woman who is finding her way and she feels like she is flailing, that she's drowning in life is about to overtake her in this process of not knowing who she is and in a space where the the work has consumed her whole life. What would you say to her? 
Yeah, so um, I'm going to go back to my mom for a while. I just, I thank God so much for, I think it made such a difference in my life who my mother was. The um, When my mom passed, I would say I um, fairly early, she didn't pass when I was 10, but when I was 10 years old, I went through this program where they identified young people of color that were academically gifted. And I think at least from then and even before then, I remember my mother working to get a variance to get me into a public school in a good neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I have always identified myself as academically gifted. I've always identified myself as smart. Mm-hmm. And my definitions of success were really wrapped around that understanding of myself. And when my mom passed, and she passed suddenly, I was in starting the third year of law school. Um, and I had already had my son, and I was pregnant with my daughter. And uh, one of the things that came out of that for me was, I won't be successful if my children don't feel about me the way I feel about her. Mm. And I could be a lawyer. I could be the ruler of the universe. But if my kids don't feel like I feel right now, then I will have failed. And so I say that because I do think that was in one of those moments where I felt completely overwhelmed. You know what I mean? And I felt like I was flailing. I felt untethered. And so I would say to young women, take those moments of crisis and take that feeling and, and let it get you down to like your core. To, like use that moment to help you get down to the only things that matter, right? Um, and then the other thing I, I always have to remind myself of is we are perfectly and wonderfully made. Whatever situation you're in, you are perfectly and wonderfully made. And I, I just had to, you know, even sometimes now I have to say it to myself and I have to understand whatever it is I'm bringing to the table. I am, like we said at the beginning, I'm built the way I'm built for some purposes. I'm, I'm built to do certain things. I'm made, I was made to do certain things. And so just reminding themselves of that, especially in those moments of crisis, you were made to do certain things. Like you got to know that on the inside. And, you know, you're just not, maybe you're not at one of those moments right then. And, and maybe you are, because sometimes what you were made to do is to get through that crisis and to get others through that crisis. So those are the two things I think I would, I would say, and they've resonated with me and they've helped me. Sage advice um, and words of wisdom. Um, so what would you share with younger Diane about life um, at that juncture when you just live in life and you haven't really experienced anything, you haven't encountered any devastation, you just live in your life. But mm-hmm. we know devastation is going to hit. Woo-hoo! It's going to come. Um, what would you do to prepare younger Diane to understand, okay, listen, this is devastation. This is devastation. And let me talk to you about getting to the other side because I can help you. What would you say to her? Yep. The one thing I would say to her is the other side is coming. 
you know, mm-hmm. when we're in the midst of the devastation, that first one especially, you you don't ever think I'm going to look back on this. I'm going to be okay, and I'm going to be looking back on this. And that's one of the first things I, I tell Younger women and sometimes older women, like you are in this moment now, but you have to, you have to know you're going to be better and you're going to look back on this. Like that's the, that's the first enemy because that enemy causes the hopelessness. And a lot of times it causes us to stay in the, in the problematic situation longer than we have to. So the first thing I really try to convince people of is you, you got, you have to believe you're going to be looking back at this and being like, remember when, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to be okay. And you're going to be looking back. This too shall pass. I, I I also say to folks, I think sometimes we don't appreciate scars. I've got a couple of scars. Even a couple of years ago, I had a surgery, went wrong and I got the scar on my neck and I was, I was aggravated. I was mad as hell, you know? <laughs> and then, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know what, like, these are beautiful scars. Some of this, some of this difficulty, this devastation that we go through, it 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 is a part of us and, and it is a part of it can either be a part of making us better or or just devastation that happened, right? So it's it's up to me to make the scars beautiful. And they're gonna leave scars. They're, all this devastation, all of these things, they leave marks, but you know, what are we gonna are you gonna make it a beautiful scar or are you just gonna make it a scar? So mm-hmm. that's how I have to train my mind and look at these stretch marks, girl, <laughs> <laughs> because they come because they there. Yeah. <laughs> but they all it's all about your story, the yeah. beauty of your story and our ability to always remember we hold the pen to the story. Yep. And we have the power to execute put that pen to the paper. And if you don't like the narrative as it stands, pull out your pen and start redirecting your story so that it tells and leaves the legacy that you desire for it to leave. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you nailed it. People have to believe they hold the pen. Mm -hmm. They don't believe. A lot of times when people are in those moments of devastation, me included, you forget, like, I'm holding the pen. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I am. Now, there's some things I can't control, but I'm holding the pen, you mm-hmm. know. Yes. But listen, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I knew, um, you know, like I said, when we first started talking, you were the lady for this conversation. Oh, thank you. Because joy is imperative to our not just surviving, you know, nope. get out of the mindset of surviving. Um, mm. We are gifted with the power to thrive. But joy is an essential component to our ability to do that. Yep. And and the world didn't give me this joy. This joy I have. Yes. The world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. Absolutely. And and I and listen, sometimes in the midst of those moments we talking about, the you know, the devastating moments that I'll start singing that song in my head to remind myself, listen, you got to remember, 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 my joy is not an option for you to have. It's just not. And it's not bad. Sometimes I will say I've been criticized. They're like, Diane, this is not funny. I'm like, well, for me, it's funny. Like for me, I need to look at the humor so I don't break. Mm -hmm. And, And two, to your point, 
folks could have us believing that we should be existing without joy. We should just mm-hmm. be existing. We should just be getting through. And I don't, I don't believe that and I don't accept it. I believe mm-hmm. that we are meant to be joyful. Mm-hmm. We, we were meant to be joyful. So we need to do what it takes to get ourselves to joy. Like that's on us. And on that note, I thank you so much, Diane, for joining me at the Stay A While table. Thank you, Tommy Vincent. (laughs) (laughs) Like what you hear? Then let me know and tell a friend. You can find and follow Stay A While on Apple, Spotify, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. I can't thank you enough for your support of Stay A While. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Your feedback is greatly appreciated because it helps us to set the table with the soul food you crave. You can also talk to me directly on Instagram at Chef Tommy V, and that's Tommy with an I. And remember, life happens at the table, so meet me there. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.